Eurobark Podcast. Voices from the Parks. So hello and welcome to this Europark Federation podcast. Each year, the Europark Federation, with the support of the Alfred Topfer Stiftung, grants the Alfred Topfer Natural Heritage Scholarship to three promising young European conservationists. Now, the aim of the scholarship is to enhance international cooperation and to advance the quality, innovation and European dimension of protected area management. That very much resonates with the purpose and the ethos of the Europark Federation. Now, unfortunately, because of the corona pandemic and the travel restrictions that resulted from that, we sadly had to cancel our Europark Federation conference last year, which would have taken place in Austria. And that's where our Alpha Topfer Scholarship winners would have received their award. So today in our podcast, we have three very special voices from the parks, as these voices belong to the winners of the 2020 Alpha Topfer Scholarships. So I'm delighted to introduce and announce our winners, and they are Anna Jennings from the UK, Reka Silaje from Transylvania and Romania, and Rosie Corner from the UK. So congratulations, ladies. We had a very strong applications last year, and the jury selected your outstanding projects for the 3,000 euro funding that's generously provided by the Alpha Topfer Stiftung to undertake your study visits. So before we hear about your exciting projects, let's find out a little bit more about the people behind the voices. So good afternoon, ladies, and welcome to our podcast. I'd first of all like to introduce, right, to introduce Anna Jennings. She's an engagement ranger in the Peak District National Park. Now, Anna, that sounds very interesting. Can you tell us who is it that you engage with and what does that entail? Yeah, so it's um, fairly traditional ranger role, really. It's the where the glue that connects the residents, the visitors and the landscape and the wildlife. Um, so we're kind of engaging with all of those, um, resolving issues, making sure um, all the visitors have the best time that they can in the national park, um, but also, you know, nobody's one activity um, has a negative effect on other people's and um, also, you know, helping to resolve any conflicts between uh, visitors and residents. And also, we've got a real focus on engaging with the underrepresented groups in the National Park as well. Um, so there's been various studies that show that the um, there are certain groups that are underrepresented in the Peak District visitor population when compared to the populations of people that live um, in the surrounding areas. And so we've got quite, quite targeted approaches for those groups. So who would those underrepresented groups be? So one of them um, is people living with physical and mental health issues. Uh, we found that um, the kind of uh, proportion of people living with those issues living outside the park is higher than um, 
those that are visiting the national parks are working to kind of bridge that gap. Also people uh, from black and minority ethnic communities uh, are underrepresented. Also young people um, and people that are in kind of socially, economically deprived areas are also underrepresented. And what is about that work that brings you the most satisfaction? So for me, it's that, that moment of connection when you see um, somebody getting that real feeling of joy and just having that space in the national park, that the experience in those wide open landscapes, the nature, getting all the benefits um, from just seeing green spaces, you know, trees, water, wide open sky, feeling the elements um, and just feeling free. It's, it's that kind of seeing the joy in, in people's experiences that I get the most satisfaction out of. Yeah, that's a great gift to give, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Now, you applied and have been awarded an Alfred Topfer scholarship and you applied under the category of health and well-being. And you talked very much, and you just mentioned it there, about your drive to really build the connections between mental health and being in nature. So can you tell us about your project and what you hope it will contribute to your work and how you will help, how that will help you to build that mental health and nature connection in the Peak District? I think the, the connection with mental health and well-being and natural landscapes has been really well documented. Um, Euro Parks have got a great toolkit on it and it's really well understood. And um, there's a lot of projects working to connect uh, mental health um, and protected areas and enable people to feel those, those benefits, you know, those primal benefits of being out in, in a natural landscape. Um, but quite often projects are quite short term and relying on um, project funding, um, in my experience anyway. So I I'm really interested in seeing how we can get more of a long term approach and a real kind of sustainable um, way of getting that connection and way of enabling people to feel the benefits. Um, so. Yeah, from the visits to branching out in Scotland, it's a real award-winning uh, project up there that seems to have a real uh, sustainable approach um, with progression as well. So it's not just a kind of six weeks and then, you know, that's it. There's nothing to go on to. It's, they've really integrated and thought about the approach. So the people that, um, come to their project can then go on to become volunteers in that project. Uh, so I'm really interested in how those kind of um, elements of progression can be um, integrated. And yeah, I'd like to bring it into the Peak District um, to help really um, formulate a really good kind of um, approach that's not this short-term kind of, um, yeah, more sustainable approach to this. Great. 
And uh, I understand too that you're hoping to pop over to Belgium if uh, travel restrictions are lifted and we're allowed to do so. What is about uh, what is about the projects there that you want to bring into your uh, work in the Peak District? So they've got a really interesting survey about how um, accessing nature can prevent burnout. And I think particularly at the moment, um, how everyone's, you know, found COVID, uh, that'll be really interesting to kind of see their findings there. And they've also um, integrated with health professionals um, on green therapy. Uh, so that'll be really interesting to see what kind of learning points it can take from that. That's great, Anna. That sounds like a really uh, fascinating project. And as, as you, I'm glad you mentioned our Healthy Parks, Healthy People Europe programme and toolkit that we have in Europark. And I really look forward to, to learning about how you think that might be applied across our um, network, but also for yourself that, uh, that you really engage with uh, other members across Europe and are able to bring that learning into your uh, home territory. So thank you very much for explaining a little bit more about your project. Thank you. Rekha, I'm going to move on to you now. Rekha Silaje, uh, you are with the Milvis Group Burden Nature Protection Association in Romania, with a particular interest in the Wildlife Rehabilitation Centre there. Now, where Anna was perhaps talking about rehabilitating people with nature, you, I understand, have a real passion for vultures and their rehabilitation. So what is it about these birds that really fascinates you? And what challenges are they facing in Europe today? I can say that I'm in love with vultures since childhood. <laughs> it's more like a random meeting. Uh, there are no vultures in Romania. They got extinct. But uh, sometimes they wander off uh, borders from Bulgaria and uh, Serbia and uh, they become weak and end up in our wildlife rehabilitation centers. And um, I was witness and I've seen that these, well, let's be honest, not too beautiful birds <laughs> um, are celebrated. They become celebrities um, in our community and on national level because um, um, because they, because of their atmosphere, or I don't know, and I, I, I thought that maybe it's it's time or we are ready for their um, in, introduction, introduction or uh, their rehabilitation. So um, beauty is indeed in the eye of the beholder, <laughs> and uh, I think uh, we need to see that the vultures are going to be the. Uh, the biodiversity celebrities uh, of, of Europe. So can you tell us about your project and how it will contribute to the work that you're doing for rehabilitating the vultures in the wildlife centres? I would like to visit um, rehabilitation centres and breeding centres in Spain and Bulgaria, where uh, they are uh, currently working on vulture reintroduction projects. Uh, for us, these reintroduction projects um, are a bit far away. Uh, they take years, but the first step would be a feasibility study that at least uh, we can see that it is uh, possible. And I see this as a first step 
to go and learn from the best who are doing this for ages. Well, great. We're really excited about that and really hope that, as you say, this could be the start of uh, the reintroduction and the rehabilitation of vultures into Romania. So wish you great success and, you know, good luck and lots of learning as you go to Bulgaria and Spain to find out what they're doing to take that back into your area. So, Rosie, I'll come to you now. And uh, Rosie Corner is a local plan officer with the Yorkshire Dales National Park with a particular focus on sustainable development. Although you told us very much in your application that you were especially interested in sacred sites and in pilgrimages. So how does that passion infuse your work in creating sustainable land use plans? Hi, Carol. Well, in many ways, I sort of wear two hats at the moment. Um, on one side, I've got my sustainable development hat. So it's all about um, building and empowering communities to be guardians of the park. But that, that element of guardianship, that is the, the real connection to sacred natural sites. Um, every religion uh, in the world has a natural element. It has a way of looking at the natural world, a way of communicating with it, a way of, of teaching and learning about spiritual beliefs through the physical world. So in a funny way, I no longer see the secular and sacred world as totally separate. So how that comes into um, my work at the National Park is very much um, looking at how communities connect to their landscape. Um, and that may be through a totally secular way, but it may also be through spiritual beliefs, through um, ritual, through pilgrimage um, which some people might see as a hike in the hills but it's all there um, and it, it really infuses my day-to-day -day work now I've started thinking about it in that way. Great now in your project uh, what insights are you hoping to gain from your study tour in relation to that connection between sacred sites and protected area management? So my project pilgrimage um, <laughs> is taking in uh, three sites in Europe, uh, the Inari hiking area in Northern Finland, the Tsemataya National Park in Lithuania, and the Magella National Park in Italy. So my intention is to go and visit these protected areas, which are absolutely full of sacred natural sites that ranges from sacred groves, to caves, to sacred springs, and see how the local area managers are managing the way that people interact with those areas. So I'm very interested to see how, if in entering a sacred space, visitor behavior changes. Maybe people are more aware of their environment. Um, and also what they take away from that experience. So in a secular site, you know, you might buy a souvenir, but in a sacred site, that souvenir becomes votive which you might take away and pass on to someone else. So you might leave at the site and you may leave something there, which may be a physical offering or it may be a donation. And I'm interested to see how that way of interacting with the site might lead to in secular sites, how we think about giving back to those areas and building a really, really strong connection, which stays with people after they have left that place. 
Yeah, so you very well described there that spiritual connection uh, between people and safeguarding nature. And you really see this as a factor that uh, protected area manager, managers should really be made more aware of and take, uh, you know, take heed of in their management practices. I think it's really, really important to think about. I think there's so much fantastic work being done at the moment about the, the biophilia um, concept, the idea that people have an inherent connection to nature. Um, I find that term a little confusing because I don't think we have a connection. We are nature. And I think um, lots of belief systems have wonderful ways of expressing this, which makes um, human place in nature seem so matter of course and that of course you cannot harm um the nature around you because it is part of you um so i'm really excited to to see how by visiting the places where that is more present and that information is more available to the visitor how we can take that into other contexts and and make that connection really vibrant and vivid well, I would love to join all three of you in all of your study uh, tours. They all sound extremely fascinating and very exciting. And I think between the three of you, you've, you, you're able to show that we are trying to reconnect people to nature through their mental health uh, issues, through their spiritual yearnings uh, for places, and through making sure that we take care of that nature through the rehabilitation and the reintroduction of the vultures. So well done all of you and congratulations on your award. We're very proud of all of you and really looking forward to having the results and reports that will come from your deliberations and from your studies uh, and look forward to sharing that with the rest of the Europark network. So as I mentioned at the beginning, Europark's very much about connecting people and places. It's about international cooperation, and it's about learning from each other. Unfortunately, these have all been challenged in this post-COVID world. We found ways around it, but one of the things that is the most challenging is, of course, our study tours that we hope our Alpha Talk for Scholars will be able to undertake. Now, when Reka, Anna and Rosie submitted their applications, the corona pandemic was very much in its early stages and we certainly never realised it was going to go on for a whole year. Here we are, March 2021, uh, and we still have travel restrictions upon us. So we are, of course, hoping that your study tours will be able to proceed this year and we will prolong uh, the, the, the scholarship for as long as possible until it's safe for you to do so. But given the, the, the year that we've just had, Perhaps you might want to reflect on how the COVID pandemic has altered your view of your topic that you're going to be studying. And has it brought any additional aspects that you'd want to consider in your study tour now, study tour now as a result? So, Anna, if I could uh, put that question to you first. Yeah, so I think in a way there's been some real um, positive impacts actually in in terms of the mental health agenda it's really upped um that mental health agenda um in the world really uh, people are talking about it more everyone's um recognizing that they've got mental health and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad um and yeah i think so that's been a real positive that people are talking about it more it's also given us a bit of a chance to kind of step back from um, 
the constant delivery and really um, consider our approach and make those links that we've always kind of wanted to make but didn't have the time. So this year we've made really good links with our local um, health partnerships, so NHS, social workers, uh, social prescribers. So it's given us time to really um, form plans and projects to um, get started as soon as we can, as soon as the restrictions allow. So I think it's actually had a positive impact. And how about you, Rosie? What's your thoughts on this? I feel that the work I'm looking at has more relevance than ever. Um, sorry to be so melancholy, but so many people have, have lost the people they love this year and people have been separated from that. And in many ways, people have to grieve the loss of a year of their lives. And the work that I'm doing looks at the ways that people emotionally connect to landscapes and their need to go to the wild places, to the quiet places, to, to feel human again. And I think it's very, very important that as protected site managers, we are making safe and quiet and restful places available to everyone to be able to go and grieve and process this year in the way that they need to. Yeah. How about you, Rika? Has COVID uh, affected your work with the vultures? Were you still able to keep the rehabilitation centre open during the during the restrictions for, on COVID? Yes, we managed that. Uh, we managed uh, to work at the rehabilitation centre, but uh, it was harder to uh, find volunteers, and it was uh, harder to uh, transport the animals. For example, there was a general lockdown and. Uh, we knew about some injured birds, but we couldn't uh, manage to transport them because, well, basically everything was locked down. In general, my plans didn't change, but uh, as you can see, many visitor centers and educational centers are closed now. So that's why I'm, I'm a bit worried that uh, I won't find uh, these centers open. Well, let's hope so. I think often we um, we don't see the what can I say the the unintended consequences of the travel restrictions. We we just think about it as well, I can't go somewhere, but then of course that means people can't get to the centres to look after the birds, and there's a knock-on effect there. So no, I think you described that very well. Thank you. So moving on to um, our second question. One of the great aspects of the Alfred Topper Scholarships is that the results of the reports and of the study tours are shared widely across our network. Could you perhaps think of some specific contribution to the network and to our members that your project will bring? Rosie, if I can come to you first on that. I'm really excited about the interfaith opportunities um, from my project. Um, so many sacred natural sites are layered, so they may go back thousands of years um, into pagan belief systems which have been overlaid by Christian ones which have become folk Christian or which have um, shamanistic elements. And 
it's really interesting for me to look at these areas and think, okay, which ones are coming to the fore? Which ones are maybe being suppressed? And how can visitors go to these places and get a sense of, of how these interactions happen? But connected to that, it's what you bring with you as a visitor. What is your belief system? Are you being totally welcomed in the area you're going to? Um, it's interesting hearing Anna talk about her work with BAME communities in the UK, because I think that's really essential to the visitor experience um, to sacred natural sites in Europe, in that so many people have a spiritual longing, but at the moment, I don't think a lot of sites are, are ready and prepared to welcome people of all faiths. That's a very interesting point. Um, Rika? Coming over to you, what do you think your work uh, in the rehabilitation and the reintroduction of vultures, what, what can the rest of the Europart network learn from that? Other than to love vultures, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> well, my story trip will end up in a study in which I would like to cover the daily work of uh, these uh, centres and their educational work as well, the challenges they are facing and um, their role in uh, these watch, watcher reintroduction project. Oh, I think that, that's absolutely fine. Because remember, you three will be as much as an inspiration uh, going to the sites as they, as the sites will be to you um, uh, in terms of your work. So it is a dialogue, it's a two-way process. So I think your ideas, Rick, and your experience going into the sites that you'll be visiting will be just as valuable as what you're going to learn there too. So don't forget that. Anna, you haven't answered that question yet, have you, Anna? No, I haven't yet. Right, okay. So I'll just, I'll formulate it again, just so that uh, give you a second to consider. Cool. So one of the great aspects of the Alpha Talk for Scholarship is that the results and the, your reports of your study tours are shared widely across our network. So Anna, what specific contribution to the Europark Federation Network and to our members will your project bring? Well, I'm hoping to build on the fantastic work that's already been done with the um, Healthy Parks, Healthy People toolkits um, and really, I guess, specifically look for practical tips um, of the kind of nitty gritty of the projects. So things like how to evaluate people's progress without um, having overwhelming amounts of paperwork um, and also really how to get those really lasting impacts um, so to have that more sustainable long-lasting approach that doesn't always rely on external funding um, and that those kind of typical six-week projects that have no kind of progression that can actually be more detrimental than beneficial. So making sure that um, the positive impacts on people's mental health are long-term and lasting. Good, and I hope too that the, uh, the contribution of your projects uh, to our network will also be uh, long-lasting as well. So I'm sure of it. So my final question to all three of you is that, uh, just to reflect on the fantastic occasion that we have three young ladies who have all uh, been awarded with the Alpha Talk for Scholarship this year. Um, and here we are in March 2021, and it's not long since we celebrated the International Women's Day. 
So do you three young female <laughs> environmental professionals, do you have any words of encouragement to other young women who are interested in nature and seeking to pursue a career in this field? What advice and encouragement would you give them? Um, Rika, you could start, please. To be brave because the hard work pays off in the end, <laughs> shortly. Be brave, yep. Rosie, would you like to add to that? Um, I would say seek out mentors, seek out female mentors who you just think are amazing. I was incredibly lucky because I, when I was still at uni, I um, actually joined the National Trust Council and um, got to spend a lot of time with the amazing Fiona Reynolds, who you oh, yeah. head up mm -hmm. the National well. Trust. <laughs> and wow, seriously, being at the beginning of your career and meeting someone who had just done amazing things that made them look so easy that was really really inspiring but wherever you're working there will be amazing women working near you with you so ask them questions and and learn from them um because sadly the fight never stops you know for women in the workplace there's been a lot of stuff hard won but we have to keep going and we have to keep working on it great and a final word from you anna I'd just say don't don't be put off by going for a role that's um, traditionally kind of male. Um, so for me, you know, I didn't really experience sexism until I started working as a ranger because it's this kind of traditional male role and you'd get comments like, oh, a, a woman ranger, they let, let women be rangers now, do they? Um, so it's that kind of you know, be, fight your own, um, don't be afraid to forge your own path. So when I started, I didn't know how to fix a gate or really how to hold a drill, but you know, you pick up these things, you learn them um, and yeah, you forge your own path. I'm never gonna be the, the strongest ranger, but I have other skills, you know, I'm creative um, and I've got this kind of well-being interest that I'm developing. So yeah just say for drone path don't try and be anyone else great that's really good advice ladies so be brave look out and seek out uh, female mentors ask questions and forge your own path and just be yourself absolutely fantastic advice um so again i'd like to on behalf of the europark federation and indeed the alpha for stiftung to congratulate you on the alpha for scholarship award i hope I really do hope we can find a way to make sure that your study tours uh, can be done. And I really look forward to your reports. And I'm sure the Europark Federation members who you'll be visiting will welcome you and share their knowledge and experience with you as I, as I know you will with them. So thank you very much for being the voices from the parks this afternoon. And we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Just before we finish our podcast today, I'd like to hand over and give the last words to Ansgar Wimmer from the Alfred Topfer Stiftung. Guten Tag and hello from Hamburg. My name is Ansgar Wimmer and on behalf of Andreas Holz, myself and the board of the Topfer Foundation, I would like to extend the warmest greetings to the Europark community across Europe. Through its founding figure, Alfred Töpfer, 
our foundation has been closely affiliated with Europark since its beginnings. Throughout the years, a friendship full of trust has evolved between the two organizations, with the Tupfer Foundation trying to be helpful in giving grants, offering scholarships, and sometimes our seminar venue at Gutsigen. For many years, we've worked together closely in granting the Alfred Tupfer Natural Heritage Scholarships to three promising young conservationists. This collaboration has enabled three young professionals to explore innovations and particular areas of interest across Europe. The ongoing pandemic is a test for any partnership, be it national, international, or on a European scale. Thus, we are particularly grateful to Europark to continue this important venture by honoring the three winners of the Alfred Tiffer Scholarship from 2020, Anna Jennings, Rika Schilagi, and Rosie Corner, whom we like to congratulate and encourage with this brief message. We hope that you can take up your projects as soon as the pandemic allows and that you will be able to pass on the honor to be a scholarship recipient in 2022 and the years thereafter. Both of us, Andreas Holtz and myself, as well as everyone at the Tupfer Foundation, encourages you to continue your important work regardless of the difficulties we currently encounter. With this, we would like to say thank you again to Europark and wish all the best to everyone involved. Thank you very much. Auf Wiedersehen, bis bald und moin moin aus Hamburg. Europark Podcast, Voices from the Parks.